We also have a Byo Fukushi course, which is a beauty and elderly care course that they go through. And what they will do there is, they were just doing it yesterday. They will experience what it's like to not be able to see clearly. They put on these like goggles. Uh, they'll feel how it feels to be pushed in a wheelchair and how to push a wheelchair. And on a certain day, like um, August 3rd, we'll take students and a lot of volunteer workers throughout Japan uh, will go into elderly care homes and cut hair as a service. That's kind of like a special day that we do that. Silver Adventures is a content and technology company dedicated to improving the lives of older adults through immersive virtual reality experiences. And this podcast is our opportunity to hear from industry experts, thought leaders, and passionate individuals to share with you their knowledge, expertise, and experiences. Welcome to the Age Care Enrichment Podcast. Hello there, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm your host, Ashton Neef. And in today's episode, we're looking at how the beauty industry and gerontology have come together in Japan to help seniors look and feel their best, no matter their age or mobility. And we're doing so with the help of Jane Yamano. Jane is the principal of the Yamano Beauty School in Tokyo, and she's also the granddaughter of the founder. And we're talking about the importance of beauty services for older adults how to do hair and makeup for people who are bedbound, and even about the Japanese scissor god. Couldn't believe there is one, but there is. Now, when we record this interview, I got quite excited about the idea of aged care residents having regular events to dress up for, and I put a post on my LinkedIn about it. I'm still really keen to hear about any social dances, balls, galas, special events for residents that our listeners have been part of. So if that's you, find me on LinkedIn and shoot me a message telling me about it. Now, don't forget that this Friday, we've got an episode of Who Cares, where Daniela and Maury will be talking about beauty. Maury's got a plethora of different outfits and hats, so I reckon this episode is probably right up his alley. Don't forget to tune into that one. And finally, before we start, a big thank you to Jane's team, including her assistant, Charlie, who helped make this interview possible. So without further ado, we hope you enjoy this conversation with Jane Yamano. Hey, Jane, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much for having us. It's a real pleasure. And you're calling in all the way from Japan. Whereabouts are you in Japan? Well, I'm calling in from Tokyo, Japan, and I'm pretty much looking out my window at the Olympic uh, Stadium. Mm -hmm. And I'm right in the center. I could see the Sky Tree and Tokyo Tower and some beautiful national parks around me. So, and it's a beautiful day today. Amazing. Sounds like you've got quite the view up there. I do. I hope you could come and visit one day. <laughs> That'd be very nice. You can see on my screen that I, I don't have the, the greatest view, but uh, <laughs> it'll work for today. For our audience at home who may not know the story of, of your work and your family's work, could you give us a bit of background, please? Sure. My grandmother, Aiko Yamano, kind of was like the pioneer for the beauty industry in Japan. And when she got older, she started realizing what she needed. And whatever she needed, she figured everybody would need. But um, originally, this all started with her whole life. When she was very young, she wanted to be a musician. And then the war happened, and the huge earthquake happened, and that wasn't feasible. And there was a girl that would come home every night and counting money. And she's, what are you doing? And she was actually doing the hair 
of various ladies. And then she, that's her turning point. She decided, well, I'm going to do that too. But during those days, it was like learn to learn something, you had to steal a look. There weren't beauty schools or beauty colleges to show you. And you had to do an internship. And she had to pay a lot of money like just to learn one side of the hairdo and figure out the other side. And a lot of money, meaning at that time, she told me it was about 500 yen, which is not much right now. But at the time, 500 yen bought land. Mm, And so that's how much she had to pay to learn one side of the hair, of the head. So starting from there, she decided she wanted to make it easier for others to learn and opened up her beauty salon and later a beauty school. The story is very intricate, and I could sit here for hours and talk to you about this. But long story short, she had an arranged marriage with my grandfather, who was basically the business, and he formed beauty associations, and together they built the um, National State Board in Japan. And from there, as the years go on, she started with bringing gerontology into the works. So... We are now 87 years old here at Yamano Beauty College, and we opened up the first junior college here in Japan. So she wanted to raise the level of education and as well as how people look at the beauty industry. When she first started, of course, she did hair and things like that, and she would have to go through the back door, and the um, servants of the time would like splash water on her, and she wasn't treated well. Mm. And she would have to like put the ink from the newspaper on her face so she didn't look better than her clients. So the days have changed now that you have to look better than your clients for your clients to come to you. But during those days, it was the opposite, apparently. Wow. So she came up through a lot of history. And during her final days, where she started to realize how important beauty was for the elderly, and how important it was for her, and how important it was for us to train our students to understand this. Yeah, that's fascinating. So going back to you, you're saying that that she had to look a little bit grubbier than the people that she was helping to look beautiful. Was that a cultural thing, or was that something to do with the place of people who are serving you to help your beauty? Like, was that, yeah, how does that fit into it? I think that's a combination. Yes, it's a cultural thing. Hmm where you put your guest first. They're like the queen or the princess or the god of the day. So Mm -hmm. you put your client first or your guest first. And also, I think it was also how the beauty industry was viewed at that time. People who touched hair, it was kind of like a dirty thing. Because even when you get married in Japan, they actually have this white covering to cover the woman's hair. This is really going to hit the you know, right now with all these various groups and things with gender equality and stuff. I mean, Japan is the king of non-gender equality at the time, but women were considered that they weren't clean enough, so they had to put this um, white covering over their hair. So, of course, people dealing with the hair, they weren't considered very highly at the time, and it wasn't the type of work that people would go into. I'm from Los Angeles, and mm-hmm. I think in the U.S. too, it's like when Greece came out, we were singing beauty school dropout, you know, and I was thinking, and, I, and my mom goes, don't say that to your father, you know, <laughs> we were singing beauty school dropout. <laughs> you know, I think the way the world at that time looked at the beauty industry wasn't like being a doctor or a lawyer or something like mm. that. So 
she wanted to raise that image. And much later in her life, when she was maybe in her 60s, 70s, and 80s, she drove a Rolls Royce. She had emeralds and diamonds, and she wanted to show the students, this is what you can have if you go in this industry. And I mean, she started this out of the rubble of earthquake and out of the rubble of war. Um, because mm. what is the first thing that you need? You need food, you need a place to stay, but then you have to look good, feel good, go out, and then businesses start to flourish. So it's kind of like COVID right now. It's important for people to look good and feel good. And my biggest thing is everybody's like, well, I'm not going to go to the beauty salon. Or they say that. I'm like, no, no, you should go to the beauty salon. They're safe. You know, they're very careful. And the sanitation laws are very strict in Japan. And they abide by those rules. And it's a safe mm. place to be. So I'm like, go to the salon. Use your hairstylist. Use the beauty uh, industry more. Yeah, absolutely. It, I mean, so much a part, as you said there, that after a crisis, you have the essentials, but then it's about rebuilding identity, right? Yes. And so much of our own identity and, and cultural identity comes down to feeling good about ourselves and, and how we fit into society. It really does. And when we were all quarantined for months and years, we opened our school pretty much online right away. But, you know, the elderly people, they're so, such high risk. So even like my parents and the people that we have for our kimono classes and things like uh, we have kimono classes throughout Japan, and that's an elderly group that we have. Mm -hmm. And so we couldn't get together. It was too dangerous. So we had to get them online, which is another whole nother challenge to get them to figure out how to do all this. Even for me, Charlie's here to save me. And <laughs> I know how to Zoom, <laughs> but uh, when you add, added all the other... Uh, <laughs> equipment. I'm like, ah, okay. <laughs> You've done very well. <laughs> Thank you. That's great. I'd love to talk about the kimono classes and, and also, you know, the services when you're training people to help older adults. But to tie off your grandmother's story there, from what I read, she was quite instrumental in bringing new technology and beauty to Japan and, and changing the industry quite dramatically, right? Yes, she did. Um, she traveled the world I think L'Oreal sponsored her and she went around the world and she met people and her networking was amazing and she brought it back and she started the state board in Japan with the help of her husband who did more the business side. And then later, you know, she bought different trends, the perm machine for, I wish I could take you around when you ever do mm. this visually, we'll send you some pictures, but um, uh, she brought the perm machine back and then the war happened. So they went to Nagano Ken, which is kind of on the outskirts of Tokyo, and uh, they built these machines and copied them and made them. And then she taught the education and my grandfather made the hardware and in a TV interview, you know, he was laughing, saying, I made so much money, I couldn't stop laughing. And so from there, that money they used to build a school and to educate and help the younger generation. And over the years, that's how gerontology and bidegaku, which is like study of beauty, mm -hmm. and started all these different programs. But the main reason we started, you know, helping the elderly look beautiful, feel beautiful, was it originated from her. Hmm. She was always out and about. She was in her 80s, and she was always on stage and training and teaching and doing as she had done all her life. But then, of course, she couldn't walk around as much or get around as much. And health-wise, she needed a wheelchair sometimes. So 
But even at that, she put on her makeup, she looked good, and she even helped us devise ways to put on the kimono in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. And a lot of elderly people or special needs people throw out the idea of ever wearing a kimono if they are in a wheelchair or if they get older, only because they think that they have to be able to stand and put it on, and it's a lot of work, and it's too much to wear. But she really proved to us that, you know, because she needed to go on stage. So we did different things. We used her kimonos. We cut kimonos. We used them full length. Kimonos can be worth, like, I don't know, Australian dollars, but it could go from $500 to $10,000 U.S. dollars. Wow. And wow, up. It's very expensive. And up. Yeah. It's, it's the wearable art of Japan. And the obis can be the same. You could buy cars. Like I had a man say, you want to buy this obi? I'm like, no, you know, I really need a car right now. <laughs> and it was like the same amount of what I was going to have to pay for my car. What, what's so an obi, like, sir? An obi is the sash that goes around the uh, waist. So in the background, you can, if you, I don't know if you can see this, but this is my grandmother. Yeah. Uh, when she was on a very prominent television uh, program. And she's wearing a kimono. You can kind of see her just up to... Uh, but right below that is the obi, which is a sash that goes around your waist. So that's a, a really great, it started from your grandmother's own experience with aging and, and still wanting to look and feel as beautiful. Mm -hmm. Translating that into a course, say you have a group of new students coming into the college, what's their experience going through the course? What are they exposed to? Okay, for our school in general, it's a beauty school. So they will learn hair, makeup. Of course, we include kimono dressing and tea ceremony, flower arrangement. And we also have a Byo Fukushi course, which is beauty and elderly care course mm -hmm. that they go through. And what they will do there is, they were just doing it yesterday. They will experience what it's like to not be able to see clearly. They put on these like goggles. Uh, they'll feel how it feels to be pushed in a wheelchair and how to push a wheelchair up and over. They go around the neighborhood and get pushed around. And on a certain day, August 3rd, is considered in Japanese hasami, scissors are called hasami. Mm -hmm. And if you break it down, it's August 3rd. So has, hasami, that's <laughs> kind of hard to explain. Eight is hachi and mm -hmm. mi is three. So on August 3rd, okay, every year, yeah. there's actually a scissor god in Zozoji, right next to Tokyo Tower. And we go there and pray for safety and happiness and well-being and success, and we thank our scissors also for their service. And on this day, we'll take students and a lot of volunteer workers throughout Japan uh, will go into elderly care homes and cut hair mm. as a service. That's kind of like a special day that we do that. We have other days that our teachers will take students to the elderly homes and do their hair and nails and give them a hand massage and things like that too. So we try to incorporate it more and more each year. And then my grandmother actually started thinking about this as she was getting older and in a wheelchair around 1992. And when it actually she was in the hospital, right before she passed away, she wanted her hair washed. So the nurses washed her hair. And she was like, oh, this is horrible. So she called the manager of her Ginza salon, which is supposed to be the top salon that she had in the area. And so the manager had to come and do it. Well, he almost got fired 
because he couldn't do it either. Because, you know, she had IV hanging and every way she turned, she was in the bed. He didn't know what to do. And so that's when we came up with the idea of beauty and healthcare um, combinations. So if the healthcare worker could provide this service, they could feel better, they could get their hair cut, they can get their hair washed like they would in a beauty salon. That would make that person feel better and it's better than medicine. And it kind of is, you know, a little bit of rehab too because you have to sit up or walk over to the shampoo bowl if you can or, and you get to exercise your brain because you get to talk to the person and have uh, mm -hmm. communication. So there's a lot of amazing things that can happen from just this one little experience. And so that's where they started thinking of combining healthcare and beauty. And we actually went ahead and put that into the college. Unfortunately, it was a little too early for Japan that we trained the students and had them licensed as healthcare workers. So they got double licensed when they graduated after three years. So they oh. had their beauty license and they also had their healthcare license. But when they graduated, we couldn't find places enough to employ them to do both. They either mm -hmm. had to go beauty or healthcare. They're like, oh no, we can't accept, you know, if you're going to do healthcare, you do healthcare. If you're going to do beauty, you do beauty. Now is different. Now there's all these different care homes. They actually employ, I think, salon people to come in, not daily, but maybe weekly, monthly. I know mm -hmm. some of our um, graduates do that as well. Some are paid, some are all volunteer, and we try to give our students experience to do that as well. And of course, many, many years ago, we used to go to Los Angeles with our tours and we went to Leisure World. And I remember our students thinking, wow, these ladies paint their nails pink and they dress up in red and they do their hair and they put makeup on and eyelashes on. You know, our teachers and our students were shocked. You know, for me, I'm kind of from LA. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a given that everyone gets all decked out and goes out. But it was... Uh, an amazing experience and little by little. Um, have you heard of Leisure World before? I haven't heard of Leisure World, no. Is okay. this an expo or something? It's like a city they have uh -huh. in California. And Leisure World, it's like you buy into it and you live like in an apartment. And as you get older, they have hospital care and they have pickup uh, service. Okay. It's like a elderly, it's like assisted what is living, this? a community, sort of. a community for retired people. And as you get older and as your needs grow, they service you. Uh, well, a little before that, my father brought gerontology to Japan with USC. But um, just recently, my father did pass away. And at his uh, service, a former prime minister came to speak about him at the funeral. And he said that, you know, Mike Yamano, my father, brought in gerontology into Japan. He was the first one that actually brought it to them and went around to all the politicians saying this is something that's necessary. Studying of the age and helping the um, elderly through beauty to be happy will move the economy forward as well because people will spend money. When they look good, they'll feel good and they'll go out, they'll eat, they'll shop, they'll use their money, which in turn will help this economy grow. Mm. So he was complimenting on how he was the first to come to him and explain gerontology. And I think he also made the word up, bidegaku, which is a combination of beauty and studying. Um, in Japan, we have kanjis, these characters. And mm -hmm. so 
My grandmother has the character Bido, which is the road to beauty, and it has five elements. And those five elements are hair, face and fashion, and of course, inner beauty and health. And all these are so important for any age, in any country, to have and to live with your, you know, it's a matter of quality of life at the end. Hmm. None of us want to be at home and doing nothing and meeting no one. So I think it's important for people to go to the salon. <laughs> Hello, everybody out there. Go to the salon. <laughs> Get your hair done. Go do your nails. Have someone do it because then you get to talk and you get to communicate and you get to smile and all these things, I think, of course, will give you a better quality of life and push you forward and get you over many, many things. Hey, did you know we launched a new show this season? Hello, I'm here with Daniela Greenwood. And I'm here with Maury Voicey Balan. That's right, Daniela and Maury are back and they're joining us every Friday for their new show, Who Cares? where they'll be taking a quizzical look at some of aged care's challenges and exploring what they mean for all of us working in the industry. I'm really stumped by how what the resolution is here because I think there's a lot to dig into. You would have been better working at McDonald's, Mari, because I they've got a good set. I could have been somebody, Daniela. <laughs> I could have been somebody. You are a somebody, Mari. You, and the more I learn about you, you're an amazing oh, somebody. Oh, thank you. I think the same. It's a double dose of podcast fun each week and you can find it right here in the Ace Feed every Friday. You're going to be the new Minister of Ageing if it's the last thing I do. Thanks for, you know, explaining a little bit about how the course started and, and all the information that our mutual connection, Bradley Sherman, who's also been on the show, I heard through him, unfortunately, and I'm sorry to hear that your father passed away recently, but it's fascinating to hear the, the impact that he had on ageing in Japan. And, and it's incredible that the legacy your family has then. I'm wondering, you mentioned that your grandmother was in hospital and she had the IV and, and she wanted to get her hair done and that was quite difficult. Is that something that, that you guys teach specifically how to cut someone's hair who's you know surrounded by different equipment or may not be mobile? Are these sorts of things what you're dealing with in the courses? Yes, we do have short courses just to help them work around those things. But we also have a, we designed a um, shampoo bowl. It's called Happy Shampoo. And it's kind of like a box that's lined with plastic. Mm -hmm. And what it can do is that you can put it in any bed and then you just need two buckets and it kind of siphons in and out that we can actually wash hair with mm. warm water, even though you're not in the bathroom. We kind of teach how to use water running through your hair in your bed or on a chair. And then um, we also have this sui comb. It's kind of a comb that's connected to a vacuum cleaner mm -hmm. so that the beauticians can actually cut the hair while they're lying down in bed and you won't end up with all this hair all over you wow. that starts to itch and everything. So with those two equipment, should I say, oh, Charlie brought it out. I don't know if you can see this, but it's connected. Yeah. She has a scissor and a it's like a comb and behind uh -huh. the comb, it's connected to a vacuum cleaner. So it's something that you have at home. Mm -hmm. that they could go to the house and get a vacuum cleaner and connect their comb up and give them a haircut. Oh, cool. It's a little attachment then that you can... An then... attachment. And there's the box, which would be like where the pillow is. It'd replace the pillow with this box that fits your neck and it has a nice little soft cushion and they have a hose and then they mm -hmm. can actually go through the motion of actually giving you a nice shampoo while you're lying there. 
And so they'll learn how to do that and they'll get an experience to do those kind of things. And of course, hand massage and nails. The simple things are amazing. And of course, if you, when your hair is done and your face is done, then you feel like going out, I think, more than, oh, I'm in my pajamas. Even changing, the simple feat of changing out of your pajamas is something really important as well. Oh, we pulled mm. up another one. This is the Happy Shampoo. Unfortunately, your oh, listeners nice. can't yeah. see it, but you can see it. It's like, it's very simple. It's, it's a little box that's covered up in plastic, mm-hmm. and it has a little neck holder that we use in the salons, which is made out of silicon, and then the uh, shower head. Yeah, that's great. So that's a doll. If you're wondering, boy, that, that, <laughs> that girl looks a little not alive. It's a doll. Very so calmly staring they, straight ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that client is not going to move. But <laughs> That's great. You know, we had somebody on the podcast. The very first episode we had was with a, a lady called Christine Bryden, and she's been living with dementia for about 26 years. And she said that she's traveled to different aged care homes around the world. And some of the best ones that she saw were in Japan because the way that the environment they were in and the respect that they were treated with, even though she didn't speak Japanese, she felt like there was a, a mutual understanding and, and that she was seen as a as a full human being, which is sometimes difficult for people who have dementia. I'm wondering if there's something about Japanese culture which is making this kind of a, a commonplace thing in, in aged care there. Do you know anything about those sorts of environments? Well, I would like to say that culture plays a big part in this because respect for the aged is always been something and should always be something that is very special. And I think Japan started out like that. I think they're kind of losing it here little by little, hmm. but you know, they have a respect for the aged day set aside. It's a national holiday. But generally speaking, we're all taught to respect our elders and even the way you speak to them the language mm. that you use. There's like three different ways, you know, speak to your elders or, or respected people and then people at your same level, like your colleagues. And there's even the ones below you mm-hmm. <laughs> type of Japanese honorific way of speaking to, um, so that even the language has a different form. And I feel like, you know, they do take care of the elderly people here. They have special seats on the trains for them mm-hmm. and on the buses and in different areas. It's a silver seat because of the hair is supposed to be silver. Yeah. You know? and <laughs> I think they should change that because just because you're old doesn't mean you have to have uh, silver hair. Uh, you won't catch me with uh, gray hair, I'll tell you. I'm going to color mine till I... <laughs> way deep down under. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes you feel good. But um, yeah, that whatever makes you feel good, that's what you should do. And if you want to be gray, be gray. If you don't, don't. But... um. I think that uh, the culture plays a big um, part in that. Mm. And there's a lot of culture that's passed down from, you know, generations to generations, whether it's, um, it's starting to fade out a little bit, but there's different artisans and different, um, well, like say, for example, the kimono designing and Mm. weaving. The second generations or the, the next generation, some are choosing not to continue. And so they're trying to get people, and actually, amazingly, people from other countries are stepping up to the plate and coming into Japan and going to Kyoto and learning how to weave the intricate ways of the sash and the kimono and making the washi paper and different things like that. I think by building the culture and the different respects that they have for the elderly, 
is really important. Mm-hmm. I think it's that family bond that, that's going to keep everyone together. And then as you get older, you have your family to rely on and to take care of. And as your older elderly get older, you realize how much they've been through and how much they've done, and you're here because of them. Mm-hmm. So in that respect, I think it's very important. But at the same time, if you think about it, when you personally get older, you don't want to be a, a burden mm. on your family. So to be able to live well, the gerontology part, the biregaku, the quality of life, is that you want to be able to live well and enjoy life with your family and friends. I think it's really about positive attitude and taking care of your health and being surrounded by good people and special people that will help promote that. Yeah. And going to the beauty salon often is a good thing. <laughs> Fantastic. I was going to say, there's going to be one more pitch for the beauty salon here as well. Yeah, the beauty salons. <laughs> so good. Jane, we're, we're pretty much out of time for today, but thank you so okay. much. And, and thank you to your team as well for helping us connect today. And It's been so fascinating. I know people are going to love the episode. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Well, we hope you enjoyed this conversation. Don't forget that each Friday, we've got a fresh episode of our new show, Who Cares?, in which Daniela and Maury take another look at the ideas we've been discussing in today's episode and how they might affect all of us working in the aged care industry. It's fun, thought-provoking, and just a little bit silly. And the good news is it's all right here in the podcast feed. So you don't have to click anywhere else. But if you want to make sure you don't miss out, hit the subscribe button and you'll find out exactly when that episode is available. Anyway, we'll see you next week.